Uh, here's a question. Have you ever represented yourself in court? I hope not. Uh, but if you have, you are not alone, it looks like. There's a, a story I was reading recently suggests the number of people representing themselves in court is on the rise. Now, this was out of B.C., but it does apply across the country. And the number of people doing this is a little bit difficult to track. There was a study from 10 years ago found in some family courts as many as 80% of people were representing themselves. There was an update to that uh, two years ago that put the number at 60%. Uh, It's uh, not a good position uh, to be in, but it also makes me wonder about the ability to appeal and uh, how that might be harmed in a situation where you uh, represent yourself. Uh, I want to talk about this. To do that, we're joined by Nick Cake, prosecutor turned defense lawyer at Cake Criminal Defense. And Nick joins us now. I appreciate the time today. Hey, good morning, Devin. How are you, my friend? Not too bad. Yourself? Living the dream, sir. Glad, uh, glad you could join us. Uh, have you seen or heard of uh, more people representing them, themselves in court these days? Both, Devin. I, I'm boots on the ground every day in, in the criminal court context. There are far more self-represented uh, litigants in our criminal courts. And, and, of course, when you're in the courthouse and you're, you're seeing things, talking to colleagues, everything like that, it, it's very clear that there are more self-represented uh, litigants just, just in general, whether it be civil or family, criminal, you know, small claims, what have you. Does this surprise you? Or do, what, what's, what's kind of the reaction when you see this? It, it doesn't surprise me, but that doesn't mean that it's an awesome thing. I mean, it doesn't surprise me because when we look at, you know, needing a lawyer and the expense of a lawyer. Lawyers are expensive. That's just how it is. Now, there are programs in place like legal aid that will offer assistance to people who need help but cannot afford a lawyer. But frankly, the threshold test to meet the criteria to get the legal aid funding missed the mark completely. And ultimately then, you have those people who make too much money financially to qualify for legal aid, but don't make enough to live. So how do they have that extra expense when the need for a lawyer arises and they fall into that gray area? And those are the people who are doing it themselves. Is there a way to, to track, you know, how many people are doing this uh, as, as opposed to maybe five or 10 years ago that, that you can, or is, is, is it, I mean, no, you're, you're seeing more, but how do we, track it because it seems problematic that people are, are doing this well I, I think we're on the road to tracking it right now when we look at the backlog in court and this is evident both in the criminal context as well as in the civil context you know it's going to take years for your matter to move through the courts and that's just because there's so much backlog and part of that backlog is because there are people in court who are slowing the process down if you want to represent yourself, that's fine. You, you have the right to do it, just like you have the right to fix your own car or put on your own roof. But if you don't know what you're doing, it's going to take you a lot longer. And there are people behind you in line that are also waiting, and then that backlog's going to grow. So ultimately, when you have a self-represented litigant, I mean, the, the fear is, that they are going to do things wrong, that they are going to do things ineffectively. And so then the court has to step in as well because they have a duty. 
They, of course, can't advocate for the self-represented litigant, but they have a duty to make sure that that self-represented litigant understands the process. And so there's always long pauses. You know, maybe you want to go get some legal advice. Hey, maybe you should think about how to do this. Maybe you should think about how to do that. And it just slows down the process, and, and, it, and it does. It, it leads to more, to more appeals. And we're going to continue to see an increase. We, you know, I, I don't think we can track it now because I, I think we're at the uh, we're at the start of it, and I think the pandemic played into that as well. But I think we we are going to see it, and it's just going to increase the backlog, and it's going to be an easy thing to to see. It's a really interesting point you make about uh, this uh, slowing things down and and adding to the backlog. Uh, you mentioned legal aid. Is there anything we can do that can make uh, you know, you know, uh, representation easier for people to attain who might be, you know, slipping through the cracks. Is it, you know, addressing legal aid or is there something else? Yeah, quite frankly, Devin, we could have a legal aid system that works. I mean, we could have a legal aid system that actually uh, pays, uh, in, in my uh, line of work, and I'll use the defense lawyers, but actually pays defense lawyers to, to do the work. And we could have a threshold test that accurately reflects the needs of the community that we live in. I mean, one of the threshold tests for legal aid is, again, in the criminal context, whether or not jail is on the table. But you can be sanctioned by a criminal court in ways that restrict your liberty in so many other aspects than just simply being put in a cage. And so ultimately, the threshold test for for criminal law that that reflects, hey, we're only going to give you legal aid if you're going to go to jail, completely misses the mark because a criminal record alone can put you behind the eight ball. Plus, when we look at the financial requirement for legal aid, a quick Google this morning leads me to, to, to determine that essentially, if you make more than $640 a week, you won't qualify financially for legal aid. So if you're not going to jail and, and, and you make more than 640 a week, you're screwed. Hmm. How does this impact your ability to appeal if you do uh, represent yourself? <clears throat> well, you can always shoot yourself in the foot, <laughs> right? And, and, and sometimes you can't fix that. And again, the, the, the judge with a self-represented litigant, they have a duty to ensure that the process is fair. But again, they're not your lawyer. So they can only take you so far. And, you know, you may do things that you can't take back. Not everything can be fixed. And you might, I, I guess to, to use another analogy, you might dig a hole that you can't get out of because your ladder's too short. It's a really good point. Um, I mean, I would certainly recommend uh, people don't do this. I understand people might feel they have no other choices, but we need to make it so that more people can have access to uh, people such as yourself. Uh, Nick, uh, I really appreciate the time today. Thank you very much. No problem, Devin. Have a great day, sir. That's uh, Nick Cake, a prosecutor turned a defense uh, lawyer at uh, Cake Criminal Defense. A really interesting conversation, and this is a really interesting trend.